This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Hayden Planetarium a few years ago there in New York City, they ran an ad for an unusual ad in the New York City papers inviting people who would like to be part of a crew that would go and actually um, travel to another planet and set up a, a, a camp there. They were surprised when they had 18,000 applicants come in. And in the 18,000 applicants, they gave them to a panel of psychologists who after going through them, determined that the vast majority of the people who had applied, the biggest incident in their life was they were very discouraged with their life here. And they thought that if they went somewhere else, they could build a better life. I want to talk this morning about moving past the pain of discouragement. And so it's one of the things that we deal with, especially after a week like we have dealt with. And um, me, I'm looking for the humor in it. And of course, people send me stuff. And I got sent a couple of memes. I got to admit, I liked them. So I just thought, I'll I'll share them with you. Go ahead. (laughs) And you got to love the gold sweatbands. I mean, that's a lot of gold. Okay, here's the next one. I agree with that one. I am pretty tired of living through historical events. These are things we're just good to laugh at. But the thing about discouragement is it hits, it hits all of us. And maybe you're not discouraged this morning. Maybe you're thinking, no, I'm good. We're, we're all good and everything's great. I bet you know someone who is. And so this morning, take the message. Don't just, don't just mind rest. Take it and look for something that you can help somebody else with. God's kingdom is a kingdom built on love. It's a giving kingdom. And so we don't just simply take what we've got and hang on to it. We take what we've got and we share it with other people. And maybe you can help them as well. So this morning as we're talking about discouragement, discouragement simply defined as a feeling of despair when you're facing obstacles. Feeling of despair when you're facing obstacles, challenges, problems. Now, I, there's basically three things that, I, that came immediately to my mind that caused discouragement. One is when you, you don't feel like you have what it takes to deal with the magnitude of the problem. The problem is just too big, and that's very discouraging. The second one is, is what I call the multitude of problems. Maybe the problems aren't big, but there's just so many of them, and they just keep lining up one after the other, and you get discouraged with the multitude of the problems. And then the, the, the third one I think is the most damaging is when you don't believe that there's anything favorable on the horizon. You look out and you don't think it's going to turn out okay. You don't think it's going to turn out well. And so when that's absent, it's harder to have, uh, to be encouraged, man, when you think that the the outcome is going to be unfavorable towards you. There was a a man about 70 years ago who was, uh, he was a writer, he was in his 50s, and he wrote a manuscript, and he sent it out to various different people for, for publication. He got rejection letter after rejection letter, and finally one day he was just so discouraged, he took his manuscript and he threw it in the trash can. His wife tried to rescue it, and he stopped her. He said, we have spent enough time on this. He said, I'm tired of spending time on this. And he looked at his wife and said, I forbid you to touch that manuscript. Now, this obviously was a long time ago. Because um, <laughs> when I told Joy this story, she looked at me like, oh, you're going to forbid me? <laughs> I, I wouldn't try that just at home. So anyway... <laughs> He forbid her, and she was a dutiful wife. She, she wasn't going to do it. But she made an appointment with another publisher, and she took, she took the manuscript in, if, except when this publisher walked in, she walked in his office, he was surprised, 
because she had, when she pulled the wrapping off, she had taken the trash can and wrapped it in brown paper and she set it on his desk because technically she wasn't going to touch the manuscript. He was going to touch the manuscript. He pulled it out of the trash can. He read it. He loved it. They published it. And the power of positive thinking by Norman Vincent Peale sold over 5 million copies. Now, what I like about that is not only a resourceful wife, I like the idea that the father of positive thinking got discouraged. <laughs> he's, the, he's the one that really, they said, started a lot of positive psychotherapy. And he was discouraged. So discouragement comes to everyone. It's not if it comes, it's when it comes and how we deal with it. I'm going to talk about moving past that pain. Now, there was another man who's in the Bible that we don't normally think of as being discouraged, but he did get discouraged, and it's David. David did something different. David brought God into the equation. And this is the thing this morning as we talk about discouragement. I can give you some ideas. I can give you some natural ways to handle it. But quite honestly, one of the best ways we can do is bring God in. So in Psalms 42, this is what David's saying. He said, why am I discouraged? This is NLT. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now that's NLT. I, I like it uses the word discouragement and sad. If you look at some of the older translations, I read New King James a lot. It reads, why are you cast down, O my soul? So David is talking, and he's talking to his emotions. He's talking to his soul, and, he, and he's, he's going, he's not denying that discouragement exists. But then he makes a shift, and he shifts away from simply being discouraged to going, no, I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to put my trust in God. He is my Savior and my God. That is the change that we, that's the lane you want to change into. You want to, you want to stay out of the why am I upset, why am I, you want to get over in this lane where God is and begin to say, Lord, I want to thank you that you are my Savior and my God. On Monday, we, we had lost power. We were sitting in the house and all of us, I heard a, a, a loud boom. And Boudreaux, the ever watchful poodle, <laughs> perked his head up and then went back to sleep. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. A few minutes later, I watched as my ceiling began to balloon. I knew that wasn't good. And broke through and water began to pour into our master bedroom. Joy came in wide-eyed, and I looked, I looked at her. I said, this is a good time to rejoice. <laughs> and my very spiritual wife looked at me and said, you start. <laughs> so I did. And we, we, we started. We got the water cut off. We got buckets coming in. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a mess. It was a mess. And, but I, I recognize something. When that, something like that begins to happen, and, you, and you're looking at it, and it's a mess, and it's cold, and the water's off, and, and flushing the toilet becomes an entirely new challenge. It, you, you begin to think, and if you're not careful, discouragement will begin to set in. But instead of doing that, every time we would do that, and of course, I just preached a message last Sunday about giving thanks in all things. I'm like, why did I have to preach that message there? <laughs> but I'm so glad I did because that's when as a preacher, your messages come back to stare you in the face going, 
What you going to do? What you going to do with that? So we just kept giving thanks the whole time. We began to give thanks. I wasn't giving thanks for the mess in my master bedroom. I was giving thanks that God would help me, that we would find help, that we would get answers, that we would come through this, that it would get fixed, and the whole situation would turn around. Now, here's what I found. Here's what I found happen in that. I found that as I began to give thanks in the middle of it, that it worked like a vaccine to keep discouragement away. This is a vaccine you want. This is not controversial. It is, has no chip in it. It's not going to grow a third eye. You want this vaccine, no side effects, but it, it will vaccine you against discouragement. So every time discouragement tries to creep in, we start going, thank you, Lord, for answers. Thank you. And we got help. Somebody came. They, they, they plugged it up, didn't quite do it right. But we're thanking God they're going to come back and fix it. And they did. And it got fixed. And we got someone coming Monday to repair sheetrock. But hey, hey guys, it's sheetrock. It's not a loss of life. It's, it's, and so we thank God in the middle. And it helps us keep discouragement at bay. There's a man in the Bible who, I love his story. I've shared his story before. I think it's one of the best patterns of how to deal with discouragement. He was a young king. His name was Hezekiah. He was 25 years old. He became king. And you wonder, okay, what's he going to do? He's 25 years old. He was an excellent king. He started off by clearing of the temple. The temple had fallen into disrepair. He cleared it out. He brought in the priest. They, they began to, to worship God again in the temple. I mean, he, he sparked a revival in Judah, and it spread into Israel, and part, people were coming in. This guy was a great king. He was doing everything right. And after doing everything right, he hits a problem. So if anyone could have been discouraged... It could have been Hezekiah. I'm doing everything right, God. Why did this happen? Let's see how he handles it. After these deeds of faithfulness, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders, commanders, to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it to the towers, and built another wall outside. And he also repaired the Milo in the city of David. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he made weapons and shields in abundance. Now here's, some, here's a guy that was, that was really good. He faced a negative situation, but he did not allow discouragement to, to cause him to run from it. He faced it. King of Assyria, this king had been plowed, he'd been coming through nations like, like a blitzkrieg and just defeating nation after nation. This was a formidable army. And Hezekiah observed the situation and he knew that the purpose was to make war. So he did not deny it. He did not sugarcoat it. He faced it. And after facing it, then he, he came up with a, a plan and they stopped the water. So in other words, he's, he's going to do something here to not help his enemy. He's going to do something to stop the enemy from having any more access, which is really another great sermon. I'll have to preach another time. Don't feed the enemy anything. And he, he, they stop water. So he took, he took action, positive action. Then he strengthened himself. That's another good thing. He recognized that this was going to call up more from the country, and they were going to need to get stronger. 
And so he began to build and to build up and to repair and make shields in abundance. So he strengthened himself. He didn't deny. He faced the situation. He didn't allow discouragement to move him into inaction. Sometimes people get discouraged and they just, they don't do anything. Hezekiah rose up. He stopped what he could. He strengthened himself and put Israel in a better, or Judah, in a better position to fight this army that came in. Now, both of those things there, are, I would say, are completely natural. In other words, there's nothing spiritual about them. God's not in the mix. But he's not done. So let's see what happens next. Then he, Hezekiah, sent military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with them. him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now because of this, the fact that Sennacherib didn't go away, king Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land, and when he'd gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down there with the sword. A bad family. So, but look what, look what happened here. Isaiah, I mean, uh, Hezekiah began to speak, and, and he spoke words of encouragement, words that strengthened the people. He spoke words, and, and you know, he did, not, he did not deny that there was a, army out there. He wasn't going, hey guys, we don't have any problems. That, that's, that's not going to strengthen anybody. Hiding your eyes and going, we don't have problems. That, that's, that's not going to help. But he did not magnify the problem either. Didn't spend his time talking about how king of Assyria has been powerful and he's strong and they, they've beaten every other. He didn't go into that. He just said there's a multitude with him. And, and then he really moves over and he begins to give them words of faith. Because he begins to talk about what's not seen. You see, faith deals with things that are not seen, not the things that are. So he began to say, hey, guys, he said, well, actually, first, when he did this, before he got to words of faith, he actually called them up. He told the people, be strong and of a good courage. I think that's smart. In other words, he's saying, you got more in you. You be strong and of a good courage. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. I looked up that word dismayed because I wonder, what does it mean? It's interesting. It's a word, the Hebrew word means to shatter. So here's another way we would say it. Be strong and very courageous. Don't be afraid and don't fall apart. Don't fall apart. And then he begins to give them words of faith. And he says, God, is, there's more with us than there are with them. How I many you know you can't, no, you, you can't look around and go, come on. As a guy, what are you talking about? He's talking about what's unseen, what's unfelt. He said there's more. He's talking about the host of heaven. He's talking about, he's talking about the angelic powers. He's talking about God being on our side. He said there's more with us than there are with them. And God, the Lord our God, all they got is flesh. We've got God on our side. And he will help us and fight our battles. Man, now, now, okay, now what we're talking about, you can't, you can't see it or feel it, but those words lifted those people. And the Bible said that it strengthened them. It sustained them. They're his words. Words of faith in God brought them to a better place. King of Assyria did not go away. 
He continued to harass Jerusalem. And so the last thing we see Hezekiah do is he got his prayer partner. Isaiah was his prayer partner. He was a prophet. They got there and they, they really stood before the Lord and they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord intervened and sent his angel and began to kill men in that camp. And the king of Assyria went home and he died. You don't pay to play with God. And so he, they prayed, God, we need your help. We need you to intervene. They cried out serious prayers and God helped them. How do you move past the pain of discouragement? We can take Hezekiah's pattern and we can learn from that. Don't allow discouragement to, to move you to denial or steal your determination. You know, sometimes it, it, looks, it seems easier not to face a problem, but to run from it. And just to go, you know, I, I, and just run. You're not, you're not really facing, you're not really there. But that's not a good strategy. The best strategy, and it's hard, but you've got to be able to lean into a problem. And you lean into it. What action can you take? I mean, when we got water pouring into our, our bedroom, I'm not like going, well, praise God, there's no water in the bedroom. No water in the bedroom. No water in the bedroom. Joy would have slapped me upside the head. So you better, you better grab a mop hoss because we, we got water in the bedroom. What can you do? And, and so what action can you take? There's always something we can do. Now, years ago, the Franciscan monks were the very first ones in California to grow grapes. And they grew muscat uh, grapes. They made muscatel wine. One year in California, they had such a bad drought that all the grapes withered on the, on the vine. They thought they lost the whole crop. But then they had a plan of action. They, they harvested all those withered grapes. They took them down into the towns around them. And they sold them as Peruvian delicacies. And it worked so well that that was the beginning of the Sun Made Raisin Company right there. What can you do? Second thing is, don't allow discouragement to move you to a weaker place. What do you mean by that? I mean, sometimes when we face things, especially when they seem overwhelming, the, the, the tendency is to go to the last place that you had comfort. Sometimes, and that can, that can be a spectrum. I call it the escape spectrum. That can go from oversleeping, binge-watching, retail therapy, which is purchasing, it can, it, it can go all the way to, to abuse of alcohol, spouse abuse, drug abuse. But what happens is oftentimes people, they, they, they need a place of, of comfort, and, and so it, but not realizing that's actually taking you to a weaker place. You can get stronger spiritually, and you can use the time and use the discouragement not to push you weaker, but to strengthen yourself. Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica that was dealing with a lot of pressure, problems. This is what he wrote. We sent Timothy to visit you. He's our brother and God's co-worker proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles we're going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Don't get caught up in the destined for such troubles. Just That's the idea that if we live in this world, we're going to have trouble. But he said, we sent Timothy, and he's to encourage you and to strengthen you in your faith. I've said this for years, and I'm going to keep saying it. Listen, when you go through a difficult time, that's not the time to drop out of church. That's the time to double up. Because the idea is, this is a strengthening environment. We're going to strengthen your faith. We're going to encourage your faith. When you're facing the unknown, you need to be strengthened in your heart and be able to deal with that. 
And so church is one of those reasons. Your private devotions, your prayer time, your reading your Bible, don't drop that. Don't stop that. You get discouraged sometimes. You're like, oh, what's the use? No, don't do that. Put yourself in a stronger place. And then also praising and worshiping. I just enjoy it. I told Justin, I said, I'm coming out this morning. I said, I don't like being back there. I like being out here. I want to be part of that worship. And by the way, how you put together this is my story and song with that other song, that was really, really good. I did wonderful. But there's something strengthening in that. How many of you can, can say, hey, there are times I have drugged myself to church and left feeling a whole lot better than when I came in. And so you need to be in a place of strength. Then here's the, here's the, the third thing, guys. Use your words to strengthen you and to encourage you. Use your words to strengthen and encourage other people and especially yourself. What you say to yourself. Here's the big, magnify God, don't magnify the problem. It's so easy just to magnify the problem. When we were looking, we were having people trying to come and fix and they didn't fix it. It didn't quite get fixed right. And it's so easy to begin to talk about the problem. It's cold and all this and what else is going to break. We're going to magnify God. God, we kept saying the whole time, the Lord's helping us. God is helping us. He is, we're going to get through it. He is helping us. Thank God for his help. What am I doing? I'm just magnifying God. I got a choice. I can magnify God, which is an answer, or I can magnify a problem, which takes me further down. I chose to magnify God. And then use words that have faith in them. Now, Paul told Timothy, 2 Chronicles, 2 me, uh, Corinthians 5, 7, he said, we walk by faith, not by sight. What he's saying is, we walk by faith is, is I'm going to use words that are dealing with what's not seen and what's not felt. I didn't see God, I didn't feel him, but I believe he's helping me. So those are words of faith. And our words can lift us or lower us. Now here's one of the challenges, guys. Most people are reporting. They're not projecting. They're only reporting what's, what's happening. Uh, the, you know, the weather channel. You know, every time there's a hurricane, the Weather Channel, man, they just, they must live for those times. And, and you know, you got those reporters out there and they're going, well, Bob, we're out here in the middle of this. The rain bands are coming in and it looks like they're getting stronger. Oh, there's another one. Joy, Joy wanted to be a weather, a, a weather girl. That was her goal. She really said, I could do this. And she was thinking about, you know, being on the screen and pointing, and there's a low front coming in here. And she'd have been wonderful until they put her in a hurricane. Can you see Joy in the hurricane? Well, isn't God good? <laughs> we'll get back to Joy in a second. Okay, but here's, but here's what happens so much of the time. So much of the time we're talking about our life and we're like, Bob, I'm standing out here in front of my house where all hell's busted loose. My spouse is angry at me. I have no idea why. All of my children have decided to go crazy at the same time. My job looks pretty sketchy, and I quite frankly don't feel good back to you. <laughs> All you're doing is reporting. Say, so, well, what, else, what can I do? How about this? I'm standing here in front of my house and I thank God for the grace and strength of God that he is helping my family and they're all gonna turn out serving God. I wanna thank God for his strength and if I lose my job, I wanna thank him for even a better job coming up because I got a big God who does really big things and he is helping us. 
Do you see how those words can lift us instead of lowering us? And you don't have to wait for me. You be the prophet of your own household. You speak what you believe. You speak what you want to see, not what the problem is. Here's the last one. During times of you're tempted to be discouraged, to move past it, pray. Not to make it fancy, just pray. Talk to God. Talk to him about the situation. Ask him for his help. Thank him for an answer. There's a wonderful promise here in uh, 1 John. And it says this. This is the confidence. I like that. The confidence we have in him, in God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And that's, a, that, that's one of those verses, it's, it's like, that's even hard to get our head around. Well, don't get your head around it, get your heart around it. And believe that God can help you. Can he give you wisdom? Can he give you resources? Can he show you what to do? Can he help you in this situation? Then ask for his help and thank him for the answer. World War I, a British commander was leading his troops back to the front. They'd been on furlough. It was a cold, rainy, muddy, nasty day. And as they were going back, hearts were heavy because his troops knew they were going back to mud and to blood and to possible death. It was a horrible situation. As they were going back, no one was singing. No one was happy. It was just a, just a, a mood of discouragement on this whole troops. As this commander passed a, a, a bombed-out church, he noticed in what had been the back of the church, there was a crucifix there, a big cross with Jesus on the cross. And when he saw that, it did something in him because he remembered that Jesus had suffered, had gone through difficulty, but he arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And he was victorious. And that just did something in him. And so as he was walking by, he, he called out to his troops, eyes right, march. And as they turned to the right and kept marching, they, note, they saw that crucifix. And they remembered the one who had suffered, but the one who had risen victorious. And it put some courage in them. And they remembered, yeah, that's the one. And it lifted the spirits of that whole group. Guys, can I tell you that this is what we need to do as a church. This has been, this, 2020 was tough. And, and 2021, it's like their motto has been, not to be outdone in 2021. <laughs> I got a better motto that our best days are yet to come in 2021. And, but we got to listen. We got to eyes right. We got to look at the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who has suffered, the one who has died, but the one who rose up victorious over the grave. We have a courageous leader. He is our Lord. He is our master. He has not left us and forsaken us, and he never will. When we look to him, it lifts us out of discouragement into a place of peace, a place where we can make it. Eyes right. March. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? You came here this, this morning or you're watching online. You say, you know, Alan, I, I don't even know if I have a relationship. I don't know if I've ever received the risen Savior as my Savior. Or maybe you've done that and you've gotten so far away from him, you wonder if you can ever get back. i got great news for you that this is a wide open door. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who simply believes. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that God raised him from the dead. He's alive today. He can be your savior. He can be the one that restores you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, you know, Alan, 
I, I, I want to be sure that I'm right with him. I, or I, I've left him and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you just very quickly slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Wait in the back. Yeah, I got you. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand or you're watching online and, and you're by yourself or maybe you're around other people. Listen, if you're by yourself, I want you to pray this with me out loud. If you are with other people, pray it quietly. We're going to pray this out loud as a church family. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can jump in. This is a heart prayer. We're going to pray it with you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who restores me and forgives me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, head still bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every individual that made that decision this morning, the most valuable decision they'll ever make, the decision to receive you. Or if they're watching online, or every time they watch this and make that decision, thank you for that. They have steps out of darkness into to life, out of death into life. And Father, for those who've come home, we rejoice with them. This is where courage begins. It begins with a relationship with you. And Father, for your children here who are dealing with things and going through things, thank you that we can be strong. We can be of good courage. We don't have to be afraid and we don't have to fall apart because we know that you're with us wherever we go. Thank you for making that truth more and more real to us in our hearts. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.